Hello and welcome to our first Thursday Top 5. I'm Paige. And I'm Anna. And we're so excited to share this week's headlines with you. So like our Monday Chatter Check-In, which is available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify if you have not already listened, the Thursday Top 5 episodes are a chance for us to share the most important happenings in the art world. In this series, because the episodes are formatted to be a little bit longer, we're able to go in depth into each headline, which we're very excited about. Yes, and we're also so excited for our first Friday episode, which will drop tomorrow. Um, Friday episodes are meant to highlight outside guests. So tomorrow um, we will be dropping our interview with Caviar, who's an artist here in New York. And we do want to emphasize that although some of these interviews take place like on site, like on artist studios, we are following all COVID-19 procedures and which is also why some of our episodes will take place over Zoom. Yes, keeping it safe. And that will be available on YouTube and the audio will be available as a podcast. Yes. Finally, we want to plug our Instagram. You can follow us at Curated Chatter. Um. And then you can also look up our Patreon channel and support us if you like the content. It will be live next week and we will also be selling our merch through there. Yes. Coming soon. (laughs) Um, So before we dive into the headlines for the week or for Thursday, I mean, um, we are going to just like talk a little bit about some of our most interesting things that happened to us this morning. (laughs) (laughs) One thing that I was really excited about, which I saw this morning, is that Christie sold their T-Rex fossil at auction, and it sold for $31.8 million, which is way above the estimate. The high estimate, I believe, was $8 million. Yeah, it was supposed to sell for $6 to $8 million, and now it is the most expensive dinosaur fossil that's ever um, been sold. The previous record was in 1997 and was only mm-hmm. 8.4 yeah that's crazy so it's crazy i can't believe it i'm really excited to see it in person because it is still at um christie's and rockefeller center so hopefully we will get to see it this weekend yeah. we're also planning on seeing the david hockney exhibit um that's up at the morgan library very excited about that hockney's one of my favorite artists yes um and we're also talking about him today so definitely very relevant stay tuned mm-hmm. Are we ready to get started? Yeah, let's get started. So our first headline comes to us from CNN, where it was reported that, quote, artists slam decision to postpone exhibition of Philip Gaston's KKK paintings. So the retrospective, which was titled Philip Gaston Now, was due to bring together 125 paintings and 70 drawings by the American Canadian painter who died in 1980. Among the works that were going to be on display, many showed Hooded Klansmen, which Gaston, who's the son of Ukrainian Jewish immigrants, painted as part of his commentary on racial violence and American identity. Yeah, so I think there were a lot of concerns, and that's why museum directors across like the U.S. decided it was better to postpone this retrospective. And some of the main concerns were that they would upset viewers or that the works would be misinterpreted. And that the artist had kind of appropriated like imagery from black people, which is like obviously not okay. Yeah. Then other artists and other um, people across the U.S. said that this was very needed and that it should not be postponed. I think that all of these concerns are very valid concerns. Mm -hmm. 
But I wonder that exhibit is only being postponed three years yeah i believe i wonder like what's gonna happen in those three years if enough is gonna happen to change people's minds yeah no and i think it's very important to talk about these things and instead of just like postponing them or like waiting until they won't make people uncomfortable Mm -hmm. because i think one of the reasons I love art is because it helps people grow and it teaches something and art that is good art is supposed to stir these conversations and like incentivize growth. Yeah, the like controversial works of art are always the ones that make the biggest impact mm-hmm. and can help people learn in the biggest way. Honestly, we also wouldn't be talking about Gustin right now if this wasn't right. happening, which I think just highlights his potential as an artist. I was going to say, like, when you go to a museum, the works that stick in your mind mm-hmm. are the ones that provoke the most thought. Yes. For example, we went to the Parish Museum in um, the Hamptons yes. about a month ago, and there's this exhibit up right now by Jackie Black called The Last Meal. Mm-hmm. It is about like the last meal people who were on death row in Texas had. I don't remember the exact dates, but it was in the 1990s, I believe. And it just shocked, like it was so shocking to me. The photos were shocking. Yes. And there was a little description, um, which each of the photos saying like the last words, the person on death row said. And I just think I haven't stopped thinking about this (laughs) exhibit um, since I saw it. And I just feel like that's the art that we should talk about and take away with us another thing i wanted to bring up is i just wanted to share what the four museums were so it was the tate modern in london the national gallery of art in dc the museum of fine arts boston and museum of fine arts houston so it's interesting that this show was also going to be an international one both in london and the u.s Mm -hmm. um but yeah i think it's like interesting also that almost a hundred people like art industry figures have called for museums to not reverse the plans for this retrospective and they wanted to like continue. Yeah. And their reasoning for that has been mostly that it's oppressive Mm -hmm. to prevent this artist's work from being shown. I agree. I also didn't know that much about Gustin before this week and now I know a lot. It's been on the news for I'd say about two weeks, like yeah. a back and forth between like should we do it, should we not? Um but I didn't realize he actually painted in Mexico and like I'm Mexican. So um it is very exciting. One of his murals is actually in um the state of Michoacan, which is so funny because I my grandparents have a house there and I used to go when I was little but I haven't been since I was eleven and so now I don't think I'll ever see the mural because I don't know if I'm going back anytime soon. Um, But he painted with Jackson Pollock and the Mexican muralist, which I think is so crazy because he's not usually grouped in with those people. I would never think of him when I thought of the other artists. Exactly. Like Diego Rivera and Siqueiros. Like I just did not know this about him. So I don't know. I think it's important to talk about him and to talk about his work. And of course, mention that he did appropriate art and imagery from the black community. But at the same time, he was trying to discuss some of the issues that are still present in America and worldwide today. Yeah. And I hope that the show is definitely being postponed for three years. So Mm -hmm. I hope that they take these three years and do a lot of research and really present the works in the most productive way and that the show is able to happen three years from now. Yes, hopefully. So headline number two is from the Palm Beach Daily News, which announced that, quote, Sotheby's Aquavella Galleries and Pace Gallery will open in Royal Ponce... 
Ponciana Plaza. Yeah, so I think all three institutions will be opening outposts in early November. And like this renovated 1950s John Volk's designed plaza. Um, and there were plans to stay in place until spring. And like maybe they will extend. Have you ever been to Palm Beach? No, I've never been. I have not. Yeah, so I don't really know anything about it. But one of my best friends actually lives there. And she was telling me the plaza, like Royal Plaza, was redone last year. So I think it's perfect for galleries because it's probably like super modern and like super yeah. one, ready to be occupied. <laughs> one thing that I found super interesting from this article was mm-hmm. a quote from Sotheby's that basically said they noticed their consigners and collectors were fleeing New York and were now mostly concentrated in the Hamptons, Palm Beach, and Aspen. So we talked a little bit about the galleries in the Hamptons mm-hmm. and the increase and in influx yeah, no. of that this past A summer. lot of galleries um, open like places in the Hamptons because they saw that a lot of people during the pandemic from New York City like fled to the Hamptons. And I think they're doing pretty well. Right. I think they're so successful mm-hmm. that now they're trying to replicate that success in Palm, in Palm Beach. Yeah. I thought Sotheby's had a place in Palm Beach already, but I guess maybe it was just it offices. It might just be offices. Yeah, perhaps. But, you know, I think it's really cool. I think Sotheby's is also doing, like, fine art, and they're planning on having some jewelry trunk shows um, and, like, luxury cars and lifestyle mm-hmm. settings. Yeah. So, like, that's interesting to see. But it's also super interesting because – People from the Aquavella and the Pace families have, like, deep ties to Palm Beach. Like, I think the vice president of Pace, his grandparents, like, lived in Palm Beach. Yeah, so it's interesting that the galleries that are choosing to make Mm -hmm. this move are ones that have previously established connections. To Palm Beach, yeah. And then the Pace Gallery is going to debut with a show by light artist James Terrell, which is opening on November 9th. I actually saw um, Torella exhibit in Mexico this past January, which feels like ages ago. It was super Different amazing. Different lifetime. Different lifetime, honestly. Um, it was at Museo Jumex in Mexico City. And I made my dad go with me. So they had like the main exhibit, which was like incredible. You couldn't take pictures. And um, it was just like to enjoy the art, which I really appreciated. But then they had like an immersive room which you had to pay extra for and the line was super long so my dad was already like I don't really want to make this line it's and like I was a like Kusama yeah room. it's like the Kusama rooms at Swerner <laughs> but it was literally a line that long and my dad was like I really just don't want to wait in this line like we've seen the cool part like do you really think we should wait and I was like no we're waiting so we're waiting in the sign forever and then the room was just one room where you stood in line with strangers looking at like a screen and it was just strobe lights and it was really cool I loved it I thought I was like having like this like spiritual moment moment. and my dad was like you made me wait in line for this (laughs) um but yeah it's interesting like you know the things like that that are really I know there were no photos in this one so it's not for Instagram but that cliche yeah no it for sure was like that because people were trying to sneak pictures like I definitely did (laughs) um so I don't know but it does like draw a certain crowd yeah. into the museum james Terrell was also in the news a little bit more recently i think a few months ago because mm-hmm. kendall jenner yes. has one of his works and it made the cover of her architectural digest magazine i love that picture she looks amazing she looks amazing and the painting also yeah. or the work also looks amazing but yeah so that's what pays gallery will be opening with in palm beach 
um, Aquavella will be opening with a show called Masterworks from Sasan to the Abode, and it will be on view by appointment. Oh, no, it's currently on view by appointment in the Upper East Side. Yeah, that's what's so interesting about this one, whereas the other galleries and auction houses, I think, are trying to do something different yeah. at mm-hmm. this location. Aquavella, hey, is, Aquavella like, yeah. is trying to just replicate, like transfer almost. Yeah, exactly. It's really interesting. But also another fun fact about Palm Beach is that at least 35 of the billionaires on the most recent Forbes 400 list have houses there. So it's definitely the right audience. It's definitely the right audience. And um, also I'm, considering Art Basel yes. in Miami was canceled, people mm-hmm. in Florida are probably going to be very excited about this. Yeah, for sure. We'll see what happens and maybe yeah. we'll get to visit soon. Hopefully. But we can move on to, to our third headline now. Great. Our third headline comes to us courtesy of the art newspaper, where it was reported that, quote, France ordered to return three Durand paintings to heirs of Jewish dealer René Gimbel. So the Paris Court of Appeal has ordered the restitution of three landscapes by André Durand from two public collections to the grandchildren of Jewish art dealer René Gimbel, who died in a concentration camp in 1945. So Wednesday's judgment confirms that even if the dealer sold the paintings, he was forced to do so for his survival as a member of the resistance in hiding in order to hide on the French Riviera. This is an insane story because it had been ruled before that the works should not be restituted to the family. And the court actually had to praise the Gimbel family for undertaking considerable historical research, which... Um, led to the decision, like to the final decision now to restitute the paintings because this case had already been at the court in France for in 2018. Yeah. And in 2018, the French government actually received a lot of criticism mm-hmm. for having like a weak response. Yeah. I mean, rightfully so. Yes. <laughs> yes. I also think the movie, The Woman in Gold, you've yes. seen it, right? I love The Woman in Gold movie. It's one of my favorite movies. And I think it highlights this exact same thing yeah like beautifully and it's also with ryan reynolds so like for sure go watch it if you haven't yeah and i actually went to high school with the daughter of the lawyer oh really who's played by ryan reynolds so the real lawyer the real lawyer (laughs) yes Um, so the story i just found fascinating yeah and also if you haven't seen the woman in gold painting i don't think it's open right now but it is in new york city at the noya gallery which is one of my favorite spaces in New York, not only because it is a beautiful museum, but also because there's a cafe in the first floor of the gallery called Cafe Zavarsky, and they have the best Austrian food. So if you want some, um, I can't say the right name properly, so (laughs) I'm not going to try, but it's um, the cake, the famous cake chocolate. You know what I'm talking about. I've heard about about the cake. I've never been, but I've heard about it. I rave about it. It's just an insane place. I love all of the food there. Um, They also have great hot chocolate and great like Austrian soda and just great Austrian everything. So hopefully it will open soon. Yeah, hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) Another really exciting part of this story is that this tax force was established because they have so many cases coming up, some of mm-hmm. which involve major museums like the Louvre and the Dorsey. Yeah. So this is really setting a precedent for the cases that are coming up. Yeah, I agree. And it is such a big part of the art world. Like I remember when I was a senior in high school, I went to the Fogg Museum, which is Harvard's museum in Boston. Um, and a curator, curator there talked to us about 
how they um, look at the provenance of the works and how they had to like look at their entire collection um, recently just to make sure that everything that was part of their collection was in order. Yeah. And then Anna and I interned together at an mm-hmm. auction house where we had a meeting with someone from the restitution department and he really went in depth about everything the auction houses try and do to make sure they yes. know exactly where the painting has been. Yeah, exactly. And they also help people like restitute paintings. Right, they've which worked is so with crazy. some clients. If mm-hmm. they do discover something in the past that is yeah. a, a little problematic, they help and work it out. So it's really a fascinating area. Mm-hmm. And now Paige is taking that with that. Um, so who knows, maybe one day she'll also be a restitution lawyer. Who knows what will happen. <laughs> So as a segue into our next story, I one thing I want to bring up is the fact that one reason why France was refusing to hand back these paintings was because the country's public collections are considered unimpeachable, meaning that they don't want any works leaving. Yeah, which is not really valid. Um, no, it's not reason. valid, especially considering the fact that the works were basically stolen. Yes. So our fourth headline comes from Art News and reads, quote, Baltimore Museum of Art to deaccession Major Warhol, Martin, and Stillworks at Sotheby's. So they're selling three blue chip paintings from its collection at Sotheby's. And the public sale has not been announced the date. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think, so I think the Martin and the still paintings will be up for public sale. But um, they're also selling Warhol's The Last Supper via private sale. But the, the three paintings in total are expected to bring in $65 million for the museum. And part of the reason why this is possible is because the Association of Art Museum Directors recently relaxed its guidelines for institutions. Mm-hmm. So in a very rare move, they announced that leaders can sell work from museum holdings if the income is used to support direct care of the collection. Yeah, I think this shows, connecting it back to the restitution um, headline, it just shows that museums do not decrease in quality when they sell works. Like they, the Baltimore Museum is still going to have some amazing works and people will visit the museum regardless of them selling these three works. And the $65 million that this is expected to bring in will actually be used to increase staff salaries and to fund its diversity initiatives, which I think is great. Yeah, so in a way, yes, it's obviously very sad mm-hmm. when works are sold. Yeah, because they might end up in private hands, which is like a loss for the public. Right. But at the same time, that's enhancing the institution, which is not a negative, especially considering everything that went on with COVID-19. No, for sure. Because, for example, I just read this morning that the Smithsonian is laying off over 200 of their workers, which is just really sad. Crazy. Yeah, but this is not the only museum that is selling some paintings. Correct. It's not unique at all. The Brooklyn Museum, which is obviously very close to us Mm -hmm. in Manhattan, has 12 works going up for auction at Christie's. Yeah, and just for context, the Brooklyn Museum has over 160,000 works in its collection. So selling 12 works is not that many in it's actually a chance for some other works Mm -hmm. to be put up for the public to see that may not have been otherwise yeah i agree and another story is that um david hockney's portrait that is currently in london's royal opera will be up for auction at christie's as well as part of their paris to london auction series and it is expected to sell for 14.2 to 23.3 
two million dollars yeah which makes our visit to the morgan library extra very exciting. exciting yes and then finally the royal academy in london mm-hmm. is there were rumors that they were going to put a michelangelo tondo up for sale yes. these rumors have been denied but the fact that it was a rumor means that someone was talking about it yes and some academicians when these um headlines came out about the tondo being up for sale supported this the sale because they said oh if it's going to help keep workers in at their jobs like right. i think we should sell it but then other people were really upset because it's the only sculpture by the by Michelangelo in um, In the UK. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) It feeds back to this point where the sad part of a work from a public collection being put up at auction means it could be bought by private hands and Mm -hmm. never seen by the public again. Yes, but at the same time, I think it is important to... So many institutions are hurting right now that if they need the money and it makes Mm -hmm. a significant difference, why not? Yeah, I would have to agree with that beautifully said thank you so our fifth and final headline if we're ready i'm ready is some very exciting recent news which comes to us from sotheby's hong kong as reported by forbes quote a 102 carat d flawless diamond fetches 15.6 million in landmark auction so this auction was monumental because it was the first time a diamond over 100 carats was sold in an auction that was combined both live and online. And perhaps even more importantly, it is the first time a major jewel has been sold with no reserve. So for people who don't know an item being sold for no reserve at auction Mm -hmm. means that it could sell for $2. Yes. So it means that it will sell no matter how low um, the offer is. Um, Honestly, I saw the diamond so I think everyone should go see it. You can go check it out on um, the Sotheby's jewelry page. It, it's a beautiful diamond. It's impressive. It's huge. And I saw it about a month ago when they first announced it would be selling. Mm-hmm. And I just thought it was going to go for, I don't know, at least. More. Yeah. You're not the only one. Yeah. Because the total price actually fell short of what similar diamonds have been sold for. So yes. to give everyone some context. In 2013, there was a diamond that was 118.28 carats, and it sold for 30.8 million at Sotheby's Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I the auction since it was in Hong Kong, it happened while we were asleep. So it was three. We looked it up to check, yes. and it was like the middle of we the night. We wanted to stay awake, but it was at 3 a.m., and we just didn't have it in us to um, stay up for it. But um, I woke up, and I was honestly just very surprised that it wasn't all over the news. Because it was such a huge diamond and it was it has been announced for the past like month. Like they've been hyping it up. And I thought it would be all over my Instagram yep. feed. So honestly, I was very underwhelmed and sad. <laughs> <laughs> the um, story about the T-Rex at Christie's is actually yeah, more exciting. So that was more exciting. Um, and other things that have happened to us today were a little more exciting. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't really know what to say. I'm kind of speechless and it just, I didn't expect it to be so underwhelming. To see like where the auction world is. You Mm -hmm. know, on one hand, they're doing unbelievable things. Mm -hmm. And on the other hand, some sales are not doing as well as they might have done pre-COVID. Yeah, no, exactly. Well, it's like last week, the um, 
the headline we talked about, the herring sale, everything sold. Right. Which is very rare. So it's like everything sold in that sale, but this sale just like wasn't as successful. Mixed signals. Mixed signals. Where is the art market at? <laughs> no one knows. Um. So yeah. One final thing I wanted to mention is that it was a single item auction. So nothing else was put up at the same time. Mm-hmm. So it only lasted around 10 minutes. Oh, I wonder yes. if this is the future of auctions if Mm -hmm. you think about everyone always says how people's attention attention span are decreasing Mm -hmm. and auctions can go on for a long time if there's 150 lots yeah no exactly I my last internship was tracking auctions a lot and the other interns were also tracking auctions a lot and it was very tiring because sometimes they would last up to three hours and you had to like be really keeping track and of course, I love doing it because I am interested, but I just don't see people who like might not be as interested and just want to see a single lot waiting for right. it to happen. Because sometimes it's like, oh, you missed it like by a second. And it because- goes so fast. It's so easy mm-hmm, to miss. Exactly. So some lots go really fast and then some lots may take like 10 minutes to sell. Right. Because people are going back and forth. So yeah, it is interesting that it's an this interesting one was new sales tactic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think this is it for today. Yes. We'd love it if you could give us a rating, five stars. Yes, please. And subscribe to Curated Chatter on both Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And don't forget about our Caviar interview coming out tomorrow. It'll be on YouTube as a video and on Apple Podcasts and Spotify as just audio. But I highly recommend people tune into YouTube Mm -hmm. to see the work because it's beautiful in person. Yes, um, you get to have a look into his studio yes thank you bye (laughs)